Thank you, Brother Amos. Turn in your Bibles tonight to the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter 102, Psalms chapter 102, and I am going to veer away from the uh, Wednesday night series that we've been in for the last several Wednesday nights, and I'm probably going to stay out of it for a little while, uh, just through some study and uh, preparation and prayer, just feel uh, the uh, just a change of direction would be good for us. And so I'm going to start dealing with uh, some, some different subjects on Wednesday night. I may do some of this on Sunday night as well. And uh, I want to be a help to us. Um, we, God gives us the answer to every uh, problem in the Word of God. Uh, sometimes we don't like, th- we don't like the answer, uh, but the answers are there. <clears throat> so I want to be very practical and a very helpful tonight. Uh, we as a, a church, of course, uh, things have been so different in the last couple of years. And uh, if you're looking for normal, you're going to be looking for a while because uh, I don't know if normal, whatever that is, will ever be back. Uh, but certainly uh, dealing with certain things as a, as a nation, as a church, and then as individuals, um, I always want to uh, do my best to be a help uh, as your pastor. So tonight I want to look at Psalms 102. And I want to give us a, a Bible study tonight uh, from some personal Bible, uh, personal Bible study that I had and some things the Lord taught me uh, that I think will be a help to us. Psalms 102, we're going to read the first 11 verses. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Hide not thy face from me in the day when I am in trouble. Incline thy ear unto me in the day when I call answer me, when I call answer me speedily. For my days are consumed like smoke, and my bones are burned as an earth. My heart is smitten and withered like grass, so that I forgot to eat my bread. By reason of the voice of my groaning, my bones cleave to my skin. I am like a pelican of the wilderness. I am like an owl of the desert. I watch and am as a sparrow alone upon the housetop. Mine enemies reproach me all the day, and they that are mad against me are sworn against me. For I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping. Because of thine indignation and thy wrath, for thou hast lifted me up and cast me down. My days are like a shadow that declineth, and I am withered like grass. I want to look at this passage of Scripture, and certainly in the life of the Christian and in the life of the individual, um, there are times of heartache, there are times of difficulty, there are times of burden, and I'm afraid, generally speaking, as Christians and as pastors, Uh, we don't look into the Word of God enough uh, to acknowledge the fact that we all have hurts. Uh, We all have heartaches. We all have burdens. Um, I think we've kind of gotten used to the the, the last couple years of the things that have been different in our country and certainly some things that have impacted us as a church and the Lord calling different people home to be with Him, which is certainly okay from God's respect for for sure. He's going to call us all home eventually one day. Uh, But uh, I want us to be reminded that there is a proper way to deal with heartache, and it's okay uh, for us because God created us as uh, flesh and blood. We have emotions, but I want us to look at this passage of Scripture this evening. I want us to look at verse number 4. The Bible says, My heart is smitten. My heart is smitten. Tonight I want to give a Bible study. Now I'm going to tell this, The Prayer of the Brokenhearted. The Prayer of the Brokenhearted. I've tried to be very sensitive to the Lord since I became your pastor 
That sounds bad because I was actually trying to be sensitive as well before then. But as far as what to teach, I want us to always be prepared. That's why I took that year uh, to teach on faith. I took the year to teach on the emerging church. Uh, Try to be teaching us on the faith and, and the truths that we hold to. One thing that I have been very sensitive to is this is a this is a hurting world, and if this is a hurting world, we as God's people we're going to have hurts as well. If we can't deal with our hurt, how are we going to help others deal with their hurt? Now, Jesus is the solution to every hurt. Jesus is the, uh, he can solve any problem, but there's some things in the Word of God I want us to see tonight. Uh, So give me your attention if you would. I'm going to teach this evening on the prayer of the brokenhearted. The prayer of the brokenhearted. Father, I pray that you would help us tonight as we look into your Word. May I have the attention of your people this evening. May the Spirit of God... Teach us, instruct us, Uh, may we be strengthened tonight uh, because of your word. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. I'll go ahead and give you a little preview this evening. Uh, I have 10 points that I want to give to you, and that is not a joke. I have 10 points that I want to give to you tonight, but I'll move through them very, very quickly. And then there's a truth at the end that I want us to grab a hold of, and so I will move through these very quickly, but I want you to follow along with me in Psalms 102. As we look at our text tonight in verse number 4, where the psalmist writes, My heart is smitten. I want us to look at that word smitten. That word smitten means broken. Literally means crushed with grief. Sometimes we look at the only thing that causes grief is if we lose a loved one, and certainly that causes grief. But there's a lot of things that cause grief. Disappointments cause grief. Um, I, I've grieved over what's happened in our nation. Uh, there's a lot of things that cause grief. And that term, smitten, the psalmist says, my heart is smitten. It, it means broken, crushed with grief. Uh, we use the term now of brokenhearted, that's exactly what the psalmist is saying when he says, my heart is smitten. He's saying, I am brokenhearted. There are things that have taken place in the psalmist's life that has got him to a point where it's not something that he could just brush off and pick himself up and move forward. We actually see a prayer in these first 11 verses that we're going to look at in detail this evening. But he is a broken-hearted individual, and I think we can learn from his prayer. We can learn from what he writes in Psalms 102, which will help us. And I believe we can probably identify, all of us can identify with something that is said this evening. Psalms 102, That I want you to focus on that smitten. My heart is smitten. I want you to see verse number 1 again. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Now we're going to get into the prayer of the broken heart. Number 1, there's a verbal expression of an inner anguish. There's an inner anguish, and now there's a verbal expression of it. There's a lot of times there's inner anguish and there's no verbal expression. Sometimes there's facial expression. Uh, Sometimes there's actions that express, but we hear, he says, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. We're going to look at this a little bit more in just a few moments, but uh, expressing the way we feel to God is a good thing. 
That is where we should go with what we are dealing with internally, whether we're heartbroken or whatever it may be. But there's a cry, a verbal expression of, <coughs> of inner anguish. Notice number two. In verse number two, we see a plea for God's help. Hide not thy face from me. In the day when I am in trouble, incline thy ear unto me. In the day when I call, answer me speedily. Again, the place to go when you and I have a problem is to God. The place to go when you and I are brokenhearted is to God. The place to go when you and I are distressed is to God. Think about it for a moment, and this is a question only you and only I can answer for you, only I can answer for me. But when we are brokenhearted, when we are distressed, who's the first person we got to tell about it? It should be God. He should be the one because all of us, if you have not dealt with something like this already, you will at some point in your life, you're going to deal with something there's not a man on this planet that can help you with. There's not a man on this planet that can solve the problem. We must be in the habit of going to God. There is a plea for God's help. Let me say, this is a necessary expression. It is an acknowledgement that we need Him. That broken heart that God allows us to have sometimes we might say, why would God allow these things to happen in our life? Why would God allow these things to happen in our nation? Why would God allow these things to happen around us that grieves us? Where we could say, my heart has been smitten. I've been disappointed. This, this grief from this loss, whatever it may be, why would God allow that to happen? Listen very carefully. Many times it is to remind us that we have to have Him. It is not a bad thing, although it's an uncomfortable thing. It's not a bad thing to be in a position where the only person we can go to is God. And here, this brokenhearted individual, he is pleading for God's help. When you're dealing with something that you cannot control, do not be so full of yourself and do not be deceived to think, well, I've just got to be strong and I'm not helping anybody for help, including God. It's okay, and sometimes it's just stubborn pride, but we won't let a man help us who can't help us. But there's sometimes a man can't help us, but then we can be too so stubborn that we won't plead to God for help. And we find here, he says, Hide not thy face from me in the day when I am in trouble. Incline thy ear unto me. Listen to me, God. Listen. Hear me. In the day when I call... Answer me speedily. I think all of us have been in a situation, something like that, or we will be, where there's a plea for God's help. It's not a bad thing for us to be in a situation that that time of a brokenhearted individual reveals our need for God. Man is so prone to be full of pride. Yeah, you, you know, everybody looking out there all pious tonight and Trying to look as humble as possible. We're all full of pride. Pastor, I don't think I'm better than anybody. There's those other ways to be full of pride. One is to think that you don't need God. One is to be slow to plead to God for help. And sometimes, I believe this with my whole heart, God puts every Christian in a position at some point in their life 
where they have to look to him and only to him. He had to plead for God's help. Now, I'm getting ahead of myself, so when God allows something to come into your life, don't be so quick to say, God, why are you allowing this? Sometimes he allows things to get us to a place where we have to depend on him. We have to call out to him. Notice number three, in verse number three, for my days are consumed like smoke, and my bones are burned as an earth. We find here the psalmist saying that his days are seemingly wasted due to grief. Well, if you've ever been brokenhearted, if you've ever been distracted, there's been a lot of, just use our nation, things that have gone on. I use the illustration that I've grieved for my nation. Uh, it distracts you. It, when you are dealing with things in your own life that are personal to you, it distracts you. I've said this. Perhaps you can relate to this. Well, I wish I could hurry and just get over this and get on with this because I'm wasting time. Now, you may like to waste time, but I, I, I'm always moving. There's, I'm always like to be going. But sometimes these things consume us and it's like the smoke. What good is smoke? Whenever I read this, I always think of being around a campfire or one of the different activities we have every year and you have that big old fire and you, you go from side to side depending on who the smoke follows. And it's annoying. I mean, we're enjoying the fire, but can we have smokeless fire? No, what good is smoke? Um, it's there, it's gone. In the smoke is not what does a work. The fire does. The fire has a purpose. The fire can accomplish something. But the smoke is seemingly, it's just a waste. And sometimes we look at our own life, we look at our own time, and this is what I believe the psalmist is saying. It says, for my days are consumed, they're going by quickly. I don't have, I don't have any to waste being consumed with this. And sometimes we look at life that way. And that takes us to number four. Look what be verses four and five. Our text verse, my heart is smitten and withered like grass so that I forget to eat my bread. Now, he either is not a Baptist or something really, really bad has happened in his life. He says, I forget to eat my bread in verse five by reason of the voice of my groaning. My bones cleave to my skin. We find here in this prayer of the brokenhearted, the physical effects of grief. It affects you physically. That's why it's important when you are dealing with something in your own life, and I felt led to, 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 to lead this tonight just because of things that have transpired in, in, in Life is always bringing us different, different things that we have to deal with as individuals. But certainly over the last many months and a couple of years, there's been many things that many of us have had to deal with. All of us have had to deal with this. And it's important to understand that there are some things that take its toll on you. Well, I should be bounced back a lot quicker. Um, well, sometimes you can't. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll speak, speak to 
church members after a surgery or after a sickness and check on them and say, how you doing? And it's like, well, I just got off the operating table, but I'll be there Sunday. I appreciate that. And I'm glad you want to be there Sunday. But you might want to make sure you can walk before you get in the car to drive the church. There's a physical effect. He says, I forgot to eat my bread. I was so consumed with my hurt. I was so consumed with my heartache. I forgot to eat my bread to the point where his, he describes his bones cleaving to his skin. There's a physical effect. Then number five, I want us to notice this one. This is a dangerous one if we're not careful. Look at verse number six. He says, I'm like a pelican of the wilderness. I'm like an owl of the desert. And this is a dangerous one if we're not careful. Then as a church... It's important for us to make sure that we're always getting outside of our own circumstances so we can be a help and a blessing to other people. What is he saying? I'm like a pelican of the wilderness. I'm like an owl of the desert. He's speaking of his loneliness and desolation due to his heartache. He's lonely because of what he's been through. He's in a desolate place because of his broken hardness. It's a dangerous thing, and one thing I try as a pastor to keep, keep very close watch of is to watch when somebody's going through a difficulty. Because we can be in the midst of everything, and then a heartache come, something we didn't anticipate take place, and we... Because we're dealing with the effects of that, we can have a broken heart. It's like I, I used the illustration I've already used with, with grieving for our nation. I've, I've heard some say, well, well I just, I just, what's the, I'm just going to sit at home and wait until Jesus comes back. I'm not, well, that, I don't think that's wise. Um, but you watch an individual who is brokenhearted, they, they can isolate themselves because they feel very lonely. If you've got a broken heart, you can be in the middle of a crowd and feel like you're all by yourself. That owl of the desert, speaking of that bird in that desolate place, the loneliness in desolation, be very, very careful. We need to be mindful, and we need to always be mindful as a church when people miss who don't normally miss. We need to be aware it's okay to check on people. Now, when you check on them, you don't have to say, no, tell me everything that's going on so that I can pray for you more accurately. Yeah, we know what that means. But you can check on them, let them know they're missed, and be very, very mindful. Your life can be as close to perfect right now as it possibly can be, but somewhere down the line, you're going to go through something. This is something for you to remember. You're going to want to be isolated. Don't. You're going to want to be separated. You can't. Now, you need space, but at the same time, you've got to be very, very careful for pulling away. The devil does some of his greatest work when God's people are isolated. Be careful of isolating yourself. Number seven, as we continue to look at this prayer of the brokenhearted, we look at verse number 
Verse number 7. If I watch and am as a sparrow alone upon the housetop. Number 6. We find no, he's speaking of no rest for the brokenhearted. He's in our watch. He's awake. It's a hard time sleeping. Um, you ever been in a situation where your body says it's time to go to bed, but your mind says, nope. Your body says, I really need to get some sleep. Your mind's like, nope, not tonight, son. No, really, I, I need to. I'm going to. I got to get some rest. But that mind is thinking. And certainly when we have a broken heart, when we're grieving, when we're consumed with things that are going on in our life and around us, say, I watch, I'm awake. This is very interesting. He says, in him as a sparrow alone upon the housetop, it is said that when a sparrow loses its mate, that it would go to the rooftop or some high place and sit there and chirp. We've all heard sparrows chirp. I don't know who determines that, or but that is said that is in context of what is written as a sparrow alone upon the housetop. Chirping for that lost one, that change in their life. There's not a rest for the brokenhearted. Number seven, verse number eight. Mine enemies reproach me all the day, and they that are mad against me are sworn against me. We find an acknowledgement of his enemies at work. Now, he may have been brokenhearted because of enemies. He may have been brokenhearted because of something else. He may have been brokenhearted because of all of those things. But he takes time in this prayer of the brokenhearted to acknowledge his enemies are at work against him. He says, my enemies reproach me all the day. But I want to liken this, if I can, very quickly. Certainly that is true, and certainly God's people have enemies because we are in spiritual warfare. But as I was thinking about this, grief and heartbreak brings emotions that work against us. Do you know your emotions are your enemy? How many, you don't answer this. Have anybody ever made a bad decision because you were emotional about it? Usually we say things out of emotion. We make bad decisions. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just frustrated. I don't make a decision when you're frustrated. Our emotions work against us. And grief brings that emotion, and that could be an enemy against us. We can be discouraged because of things that take place in our life. There's a lot of Christians discouraged about the things that have taken place in our country the last couple of years. Now, there's things that ought to cause us to grieve. There's things that ought to break our heart. But we should not be discouraged because God is exactly who He was well before the last five, ten years. He's still the same God. He's still on His throne. He's still in control. We should not be discouraged. But if a Christian gets discouraged... It'll affect their walk with the Lord. It'll affect their church attendance. It'll affect their witness. It'll affect everything about them. That is an enemy that will work against you because of a broken heart, because of a, a, a heart that is grieved. It is something that will work against you because you have a burden. We've got to be very, very careful knowing those enemies are working against us. Discouragement is a great enemy that comes from wounded emotions. Another one's apathy. 
I just don't care anymore. I don't, I don't know if anybody felt this way or said this. It was like, I'm just never voting again. What good does it do to vote? Well, probably everybody's about said that. What good does it do to vote? I know we say that in frustration, but that's apathy. What good does it do? I try, 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 and try. Well, sometimes we try, and we know we're going to fall short, but we still try. We still do the best that we can do. These are enemies that are a result of a smitten heart that will work against us. Number eight. Aren't you proud of me? Look how fast I'm going. Look at verse number nine. This is a very sobering verse. For I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping. We find this prayer of the brokenhearted. He speaks of a diet of ashes and tears. Certainly the ashes is speaking of the act of putting on the sackcloth and having those ashes and rubbing those ashes and as Job sat in the ash heap as that symbol of mourning. He's broken to the point that he has mourned. And he's not eating his bread because we read that in verse number 4. So he has been in a state of just mourning of the dust from those ashes and the tears. This has been his way of life for some period of time. From the moment his heart was smitten, from the moment his heart was broken, he has been in a state of mourning. You put on those sackcloth and ashes, and you, rent, you read in the Old Testament how they rent their clothes. Uh, this was a symbol of their mourning, but it was also so that others can identify what they were, they were going through something significant, that they were mourning. And so he speaks of the ashes from the ash heap. He speaks from the tears that he's shedding. This is not a pleasant time. We move right to number 9, verse number 10. Because of thine indignation and at thy wrath, for thou hast lifted me up and cast me down. Number 9, he, there's the questioning of God's judgment. Could God have been judging him? He could have been. But God judges all of us, no matter how righteous we are. Sometimes, okay, well, God's judging them. I don't think God's judging me. God is always judging us. God is always working on us. You think of Job, who the Bible speaks of as the greatest man on the planet, and God still rebuked him. God still judged him. Sometimes when we go through something, it's like, well, is God judging me? He's working on you. If God is judging you, if God is punishing you, you usually don't have to ask that question. You're pretty well aware of it. But that questioning of God's judgment, what are you doing in my life? You've lifted me up and cast me down. Never forget that God does things to make us better for Him, to purify us. As good of a man as Job was, as righteous of a man as Job was, when he came out of that ash heap, he was better than he was. When God rebuked him, oh, that's one of the most powerful passages of Scripture, in my opinion, in the entire Bible. 
when God rebukes who God says was the most righteous man on the planet. God lifts up, why? Because He wants to do a work in our life. Apply this to the illustration I've already used with our nation and grieving for our nation and grieving for the things that have taken place. If we just use that as an illustration, God is doing a work in this way that He could not do a work in other ways. He is. We don't like it, and that's understandable, but there's the questioning of God's judgment. And then number 10, then we're going to get to the good stuff. Because of the, find the last thing as far as his prayer, the prayer of the brokenhearted. Look at me in verse number 11. My days are like a shadow that declineth, and I am withered like grass. The psalmist is feeling desperate out of his day's ending. I'm running out of time. I'm running out of time. My days are like a shadow that declineth. You notice the shadows of the day as the sun begins to set. As long as you can see shadows, you know you have some daylight left. The moment there's no more shadows, the sun is set. And the psalmist describes his life as these shadows. My days are like a shadow that declineth. My days are running out. Nobody wants to spend the days that God's given us with a broken heart, dealing with the after effects of a burden that we have. He expresses that time is running out. Very quickly, we have this prayer of the broken heart. And as we read these first 11 verses, what a desperate situation this man was in. What an unpleasant experience he has. What, a, what, what, what things that he's going through, a diet of dust and tears and the isolation and the desolation. I can't get any rest and physically it's taking its toll on me. Literally, this is an illustration of the worst things of what a broken heart can do to you. And this is good for those of us, those who've never experience some things like this in life to understand that when somebody has a broken heart, these are some of the things that they experience and go through. Many of you, because of what you've experienced, can relate with at least one of these, pray- these, these, these things in this prayer of the brokenhearted. But I want to note, I want you to see something very quickly. This is the truth that I want us to get. You have all of this if you will, discouraging things, these difficulties that come. And he is crying out to God. And he does describe his situation. But notice in verse number 12, through verses 1 through 11, he's describing his situation. He's describing his broken heart. He's describing what he is dealing with, the ash heap and the tears in the morning, he's describing and talking about the enemies that are working against him. He's talking about what God is, has, God is judging him in his life and all that he is going with. But then you see a change in verse number 12. You see a difference in verse number 12. The whole chapter begins to change. In verse number 12, he says, But thou, O Lord, shalt endure forever in thy remembrance unto all generations. Thou shalt arise and have mercy upon Zion. 
For the time to favor her, yea, the set time is come. I'll not read the rest of the chapter. But in verse number 12, he takes the eyes, his eyes and the focus off of himself and he puts them on God. These are my situation, but thou, O God. And that is how you survive a broken heart. That is how you deal with a heart that is smitten. That's how you get over the things that you've been going through is you quit looking at the circumstances that you find yourself and you put your eyes on God. Because God is able to help you overcome anything. God is always going to be who He is. And quite frankly, there's a lot of Christians who let circumstances in their life, and I'm not going to minimize what somebody goes through. I'm not going to minimize the heartache that somebody has or, or, or the, the difficulty that somebody has in grasping the situation that they find themselves in. Most of us, if not all of us, have been through something like that. I know what it's like. I can relate to much of what this man is writing about. But friend, what we need to do this evening is get our eyes off of ourself and put our eyes on God. Say, Pastor, don't you know what's going on in our country? Yes, it grieves my heart. But I don't have time to pay a lot of attention to that because my eyes are on God. My eyes are on Him. What is He doing? What would He have me to do? How is he going to sustain us? Oh, you have a government that's going to persecute and do all this. I believe it's going to do, and it has been doing all those things. But I've got a God who's always preserved his people. I've got a book that promises me that gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Our eyes must be on him. You can, you can have a, a loss of health and have disease. What am I going to do? Put your eyes on God. You can lose a loved one. What are you going to do? Put your eyes on God. You can have disappointment in your life. It did not work out like I wanted it to work out or like I thought it would work out. And all of these things may be true. You may be mourning. You may feel all alone. You may feel like there's nobody else that can relate to what you're going through. You must put your eyes on God. You sense the change in the chapter. And I believe God has preserved for us the things that he went through, the, him describing his situation, because we can relate to that. And if you've never been through, it's something that has made you say, my heart is smitten. When the day comes, I hope you'll open up the Psalms 102 and be reminded that I'm going to feel this way. 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 And it's normal to feel that way. But what I need to do is not live in verse number 3, in verse number 4, in verse number 5, but I need to live in verse number 12. But thou, O Lord. Tonight, whatever you may be going through, keep your eyes on him. I know, generally speaking, there's a lot to be discouraged about if our eyes aren't on Him. We must keep our eyes on Him. When you face disappointments, put your eyes on Him. As you carry that burden, put your eyes on Him. I just, I just don't feel like being around. Put your eyes on Him. 
I just don't think I can, I can do what I used to do. Put your eyes on him. We make the mistake when we say, we deal with things that make us heartbroken and we deal with burdens, if you will, some things that didn't work out the way we wanted it to work out, some things that, that took place that we didn't want to take place. Grief comes to all of us. Heartache comes to all of us at some point or another. And we shouldn't, if we're not careful, we'll get, we can get bitter. If we're not careful, we can get apathetic. If we're not careful, we can get discouraged. We can isolate ourselves. But what we have to do when we start going through that, it's normal to go through that. You don't have to feel like a backslider if you mourn. You don't have to feel like a backslider if you if you just don't if you're not getting the rest. It's normal. But we do backslide when we keep our eyes on that and not on God. We must constantly be be putting our eyes back on God. Putting our eyes back on God. Every day when you get up, put your eyes on the Lord. When you go to bed, put your eyes on the Lord. And probably several times during the day, depending on the day and what we deal with, we must stop and put our eyes back on God. And as long as our eyes are on Him, we know we're going to be okay. We know we're going to get through. We know that we're going to be able to overcome. So we have the prayer of the heartbroken. It describes a pretty surreal scene. It describes a pretty... Serious situation. Discouraging. But then he comes to himself and says, But thou, O God. But thou, O God. Let's keep our eyes on him. Pastor, things are getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Keep our eyes on him. The worse things get, the more we're reminded how great our God is how big our God is. Somebody in 2022 is going to have a burden they don't have today. Maybe all of us may have a burden that we don't have today. What are we going to do? I, I say let's just keep our eyes on God. Let's keep our eyes on Him. Father, I pray that you